0: Today on Living Truth Radio, Pastor Michael Lance continues in Genesis 45 with part two of his message entitled, The Great Revelation and Reconciliation, an amazing story of love and forgiveness. Genesis 45, if we are going to learn how to forgive, if you and I are going to learn the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ, to extend it to other people, we're going to have to spend time with the one who's forgiven us. Amen? We're going to have to realize the mammoth mountain of sin that was forgiven in my life so that it becomes easier for me to forgive others. If you were in Joseph's sandals right now, there would probably be a number of nasty things that you could feel justified in saying. I'm not sure if we were in the same spot, we would say, oh, don't be mad at yourselves. Wouldn't you want them to grovel in it just for a little while? No, I take that back. Go ahead and feel terrible. right? But I think he already knew that they had come to a place of dealing with their sin. And so he says, don't don't be grieved. Don't be angry. Don't be angry with yourselves. God sent me before you to preserve life. When, When we feel guilt and we don't rest in the forgiveness of Christ, what ends up happening is we become consumed by guilt. You know, the IRS now has a guilt fund. They've had it for quite some time. There are people that write checks to the IRS, not because the IRS has caught them, but because the IRS knows that you have a conscience. Actually, they call it the conscience fund. And I heard a story about a guy who wrote a check to the IRS, and he said, I'm writing this check to you, uh, and he wrote it for something, you know, $500, and he said, if my conscience continues to bother me, I'll write a check for the balance. (laughs) Well, now you've just exposed yourself, right? And you know, when we forgive other people, we also set them free. You know, sometimes we we have experiences in life where we know there's hurt way back there and then it comes kind of full circle and we realize, even though I've let that go, somebody else hasn't let it go. And you're like, You may have dealt with God on that particular subject and maybe you're good and you're free. And look, I'll qualify this by saying as much as it depends on us, we live at peace with all people. We try to reconcile with people, right? But sometimes it's a matter of timing. But you know that there's some people, maybe you've dealt with God on these matters and it's been lifted off your shoulders, but it's still something that bothers them. Or they haven't let it go. So, sometimes when we extend and receive forgiveness, it's not just about us. (laughs) Amen? It can be about somebody else. And notice, Joseph's going to say four times, he's going to talk about God's providential hand, and we've all heard the concept of God's providence, that God works things together for good. He said, God sent me before you to preserve life. Wait a minute, God sent you? I thought we sold you into slavery. Oh, you did. But ultimately, God was behind it. Can you see life that way? Can you see some of your worst times that way? That God actually was weaving together a tapestry. Now, God exploits even the evil intentions of people for his good. You know, we're told in Acts chapter 4 as they pray that the events that happened in the city of Jerusalem by Pontius Pilate and Herod were all part of the predetermined plan of God. That's how majestic God is in his ways. I don't understand it all. I'll say that right now. I don't understand it all. But God was the one that was behind it. God was working all things together. How many things does he work together for good? All things together for good to those who love him. Not some things, he works all things. And that's hard when we face tragedies and difficulties and question marks in our soul. But Joseph's insight is found at the end of verse 5. He says, God sent me before you to preserve life. In Luke nine fifty six, when the sons of thunder said, let's destroy the village, Jesus says, no, the Son of Man did not come to ruin men's lives or destroy men's lives, but to save them. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save. The ministry of the church is to throw out the net of salvation and then, uh, obviously, to build up believers. Donald uh, Gray Barnhouse, who, by the way, lost his wife. at a, He had a little five- or six-year-old daughter when his wife died, said, quote, "...to see God in all things, both good and evil, enables us to forgive more easily those who injure us." Close quote. Now, Joseph goes on in verse 6. He says, "...for the famine has been in the land these two years..." Now, we, know, we get an idea of the total time... And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. So we're, we're uh, now, um, well, we had seven years of plenty, and then we're two years into the famine. And he says, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth. Let's just do the math real quick so we have this. Thirteen years, seven years of plenty, plus two years into the famine, so it's been 22 years since Joseph was sold into slavery. So he says, God sent me before you to preserve life. God used a second time now. To preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive, notice, by a great deliverance. Joseph had not allowed misfortune to sour him. He had actually drawn closer to God through it. Now, I don't know where you are tonight, but sometimes misfortune sours us. Some people walk away from God. Some people walk away from the church. Some people don't want to hear it anymore. They get soured. And Joseph had a lot of moments to get soured, but he pressed into God. And he saw that God was bringing a great deliverance. Now we all know, as the next book of the Bible unfolds, that this is how God gets the children of Israel to Egypt. It's a fairly small group, around 70 people, right, that make the pilgrimage from uh, Israel, Canaan, into the land of Goshen. But by the time they leave, 400 years later, uh, they leave Egypt to go out and worship God at the mountain of God. They have become over a million people. They have multiplied in the land of Egypt. God has preserved the remnant, and they are the 12 tribes of Israel. And through them comes who? The Messiah. So God was working a huge plan out that would encompass the whole world. Joseph is a type of Jesus. God sent me to save. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God sent His Son into the world to save, to preserve, to bring a great deliverance. Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Do you notice that every time Joseph says this, He lifts the burden off their shoulders one more time. They have to be feeling horrible about what they had done. And each time he says, no, God was behind this. How do we know? Because God gave Joseph the dreams that got them angry in the first place, right? And God was doing what He does. And He has made me a father to Pharaoh. Something I think here like an advisor, verse 8. And Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph just... Steps back and says, look what God has done. Have you ever done that before? I was having lunch with a young man who I had the privilege of leading to the Lord when he was a teenager. Today he's walking with the Lord. He has a great young family. He's coaching baseball. He's on on fire for the Lord. He's sharing with other men. And he says, sometimes I just need to step back and count my blessings and realize what God has done in my life. And I reminded him today <clears throat> that he went through some serious loss when he was younger. He lost his mom and dad at a fairly young age. And, um, but he can see the hand of God and what God has done in his life, and I think he's in awe of what God has done. Joseph says, look at what God has done. He says, hurry up, verse 9, go, to, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, Notice the fourth time God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. Now Dad's not there. Jacob's not there. But remember when Jacob sent them away with Benjamin, Jacob was like, "If I lose my offspring, I lose them. My gray hairs are going down to Sheol. Oy vey, these sons of mine, <laughs> you know." I mean, I think that the last thing that Jacob was thinking was that he was going to be reconciled to his long-lost son that he thought was dead. God is a God of miracles. This is a miraculous uh, story. Go and tell my father. Part of what we do, you know, once we get reconciled to Jesus Christ, and you can see Joseph is a type of Christ, the brothers are a type of the people who get saved, the church, if you will. And now he says, go tell my father. Once we get saved, we have... The same invitation that we have received, come to me, we now give to others. And we, we often want to start with our families, right? Go tell Dad, look at what God has done, right? So we, we go tell people, come and see. Now when we, when we first get saved, if we start with our family, this doesn't always go well. Ever been there before? All right, everybody, I'm a Christian now. Got a huge family Bible. Whack your brother over there. <laughs> Listen up. Everybody's becoming Christians now now that I've been walking with the Lord for 48 hours. Right? And you know how well that usually goes over with family, right? So we have to be careful. But it is come and see, John 139. Come, where are you staying? Rabbi, come and you will see. Nathanael said to Philip, can anything good come out of Corona? <laughs> actually Actually it's Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. John 4.29 The woman at the well said, Come see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Come and see. Come and see. Have you ever said that to somebody? Come and see. Come and see where the Lord lay. He says, You shall live in the land of Goshen. Verse 10. By the way, there's some debate about who the Pharaoh of the Exodus is, but there was one group that had Semitic background that took over leadership in Egypt for a while, and then they were finally uh, taken out. Um, and they set up their capital at a place called Tanis. You've probably heard about the city of Tanis in the Indiana Jones movies in the Delta region. There are some scholars that believe the reason that Joseph. Uh, Got to the second position so quickly was that there was a the people leading Egypt at the time had Semitic origins. That's just side note, but uh, they they had their capital in Tanis in the Delta region, a little bit away from the Nile. You shall live in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. So you come to the Lord. You start to share your faith with others. And one of the things that the Lord wants you to do is not only come near Him, but He wants you to get to know Him. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Christianity is not just about a ticket to heaven. As cool as that is, I want my ticket, believe me. And I've got it through the finished work of Christ. But now we want to get to know Him better. That's what Ephesians 1.17 says. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened so that you might know the riches of your inheritance, paraphrasing and that you may get to know him better. That's one of the goals of the Christian life now, is to get to know him better. Where are you on that? You feel like you know him better today than you did a year ago? I hope so. He says, I want everybody here, I want all the family. He says, There I will also provide for you. Look at verse 11. You know, God provides. For there are still five years of famine to come, and we have to learn to let God be our provision. Lest you and your household and all that you have be impoverished. Behold, your eyes see, the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. He reaffirms everything. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt, and that all that you have seen, and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Go and get dad and tell him about the glory that you have seen. And then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Now, Benjamin wasn't part of the group that sold him into slavery, but everybody else was. So, remember, he's been given Benjamin extra pancakes, right? <laughs> and, and now you can understand this tearful reunion with the, you know, his, his brother from the same parents, same mom and dad. But how about these other scoundrels? what would you do? Would you, <laughs> Benjamin, and then the one? would you just give him a fist? Like, Alright, yeah. Yeah. But No, look what he does. He kissed, verse 15. Paul, you're going to love this verse. Paul, he kissed all his brothers. All of them. With a holy kiss. And, and he wept on them. And afterwards, this is the first time that we know that the brothers have said something. They've just been stunned silent silence the whole time. Trying to pick up their chin from off the floor. Now, the brothers talked with him. Boy, they had a lot of catching up to do, didn't they? So they talked. And they needed this word of reassurance. And Joseph just continued to chat with them. I don't know how long it took, but he took some time. Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and even the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Philippians 3.10. Jesus says, John 10.27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they, they follow me. Now when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brother, Brother 16, had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts, go to the land of Canaan, take your father and your households, and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 17 and 18, we are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that He has, since He's an heir, He's the heir. We are co-heirs with Christ. And we're told in Matthew 25, "You've, you've done well. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will give you charge over many things. Enter into the joy of your Master. Co-heirs with Christ. You ain't going to have a shack in heaven. Right? You're a co-heir with Christ. What does that mean? I don't know everything it means. But I'll tell you what, it sounds pretty cool to be a co-heir with Christ. Sometimes we underestimate what awaits us, folks. We think, well, I got a nice house now, a couple thousand square feet. What's it going to be like in heaven? Oh, it'll be better. Believe me. I was teaching a class uh, of fourth through sixth graders, shared this story before, but it's pretty humorous. And I was talking about how in the New Jerusalem and what God restores according to Revelation 21 and 22, it's going to be like Eden restored. And I had this little boy in the class, and he said, My brothers and I were talking about this. And he said, And if it's going to be like being back in the Garden of Eden, I just have one question, Pastor Michael. Are we going to be naked? I really want to know if we're going to have clothes on. And I said, I think we're going to have clothes. (laughs) That's what what I'm counting on. talks about white robes and that kind of thing. I'm clinging to it. Anyway. (laughs) Then the sons of Israel did so, verse 21. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, probably festivals. Festive garments or festival garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. I think these are symbols of reconciliation, but also Joseph's heart towards, especially Benjamin, but the family. And to his father, he sent as follows. Ten donkeys, verse 23, loaded with the best things of Egypt. This is almost reminiscent of when they leave Egypt after the Exodus. Ten female donkeys loaded with grain. And bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away and they departed. And he said to them, Gotta love this, don't fight on the journey. <laughs> Isn't that great? Don't quarrel. Now, you parents, you need to mark this. This is a Bible verse. You are quoting the Bible when you look into the back seat and say, Stop fighting! And you try to reach back and try to keep your eyes on the road. It's biblical. <laughs> Come on, people. Don't you like verses like this? Just quote it. Just say, Genesis 45, 24. Don't quarrel on the journey. And then I would have something to threaten them with. Anyway. Anyway. Now, what would they, why would Joseph say this? Why would they be fighting on the journey? Well, can you imagine? Once they leave Joseph's presence, you know, you have that high, you go to the retreat, mountaintop experience. Oh, this is great. I'm walking with the Lord 24 7, 365. And then you get in freeway traffic and you're like, ah! You go home feeling pretty spiritual. Nobody at the house has had the experience you just had. I'm like, yeah, right, Holy Joe. <laughs> Welcome back to the valley. Don't quarrel. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I'd like to speak to you as spiritual, but I can't. i got to speak to you as babies in Christ. You know why? I wanted to give you solid food, but you can't handle it. All you can handle is milk because there's quarreling and divisions among you. You fight and squabble and quarrel like you still belong to the world. Paraphrasing. Here... Here's Paul. You're a bunch of babies. Ooh. Now, what would they fight about? Well, they might say, it's your fault. You're the one that... I know you said God was behind this, but you're the problem here. If you wouldn't act like... You know, and Look, after we become Christians, this is a problem. We're, what's the source of our quarrels and conflicts? James 4.2 <laughs> It comes from here, from our flesh, right? We fight and quarrel. We walk in the flesh instead of in the Spirit. And even though they've had this encounter, call it this revelation of Joseph, reconciliation, we still got to battle this flesh of ours, don't we? we got to say, Lord, you get the upper hand. Let my flesh die. Let the Spirit reign. Then they went up from Egypt, 25, and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, saying, Joseph, look at 26, is still alive. And indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt but he was stunned for he did not believe them and when they told him all the words that Joseph had spoken to them and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him the spirit of their father Jacob revived you know i don't know how long it took but Jacob was home of course with some of the the family still there and probably some servants and you know what? He was probably expecting the worst. And when they come back, they got all the the stuff from Egypt, Cadillac's and Mercedes-Benz and stuff. And just getting and anyway, they and he's like, "Wow, what?" And he revived. You know, revival is a word we use in the church. We we pray for revival, right? And to be revived means to come back to life. Joseph, it was like he he became young again. You know, life had waited old, uh, sorry Jacob, had waited old Jacob down. Jacob lost Joseph and he had grieved him for a long, long time. He was wondering now what was going to happen with Benjamin. was it? Simeon was in in prison and he, he said things like this, everything is against me. And he lived under a dark cloud for a couple of decades. I don't know if that's you tonight. I don't know if you've, Stood on some corners or closed the back door and yelled words like that. Everything is against me. But once he heard that Joseph was alive and the position that he had, Jacob came back to life again. And you know, the Bible says that when Jacob was renamed Israel, I've suggested to you that the name Israel probably best translated means God prevails and God prevailed. And a great reunion day was coming, and God gave Jacob beauty for ashes. He gave him the garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And Israel said, notice the name, Israel said, God prevails, it is is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Beauty for ashes. My son, who I thought was dead all these years, is alive again. It's almost like Joseph becomes not only a type of the Messiah in his revealing himself to his brothers and the reconciliation, but it's almost like there's a type of the resurrection here. Amen? Jacob thought Joseph was dead and gone and he realizes he's alive. And now he's going to have a great reunion and I believe this great reunion that will happen now in the land of Egypt is a picture of a reconciliation or I should say better a reunion and restoration when we see our loved ones who have gone on before us in a place where they're very much alive. Cuz not God is not the God of the dead but of the living. And Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. Well, Pastor Michael, reconciliation and forgiveness in this one chapter of chapter 45, what can we take from this for ourselves? Well, Oscar, you know, when you see the heart of Joseph, I think you see the heart of Christ who forgives his brothers. You know, you think about all the the pain and the grief that they had put him through. And yet he reflects on God's sovereignty. And he believes that God is the one that sent him there to preserve these brothers that had been such a thorn in his side, to preserve them and preserve really the line of Israel. So uh, I think you can see the heart of Christ in the heart of Joseph. Joseph's able to see the bigger picture. And when we get into you know, little skirmishes and debates and big ones and family and companies and friends and churches, it can be hard to let go of it. It can be hard to forgive. But I think the the key component in forgiveness is always the heart of Christ. It's always going to be able, we're always going to be able to forgive other people, not by just trying to drum it up ourselves, but by allowing the spirit of God to do it through us. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.